Welcome to Flavor Text, the podcast where we look at the intersection between law story and gameplay in Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm Krabby Terror 8, and I'm joined by my principled and highly intelligent colleague, <laughs> Kevling. How are you, Kevling? Hi, Flavor Text, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I've got to come up with something new every time now. You've got to keep me on my toes, yeah. (laughs) Never know what you're going to say next. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How have you been? I'm good, thank you. Yes, yeah, things are good here. The weather's starting to warm up. It's sort of approaching spring here in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, it's it's eight. (laughs) Lovely and warm. (laughs) It's 19 degrees at the moment. Bloody freezing where we are. <laughs> and here it's eight and I'm lovely and warm. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. At least it's not raining in Australia. We've had like a year's, in some parts of Australia, they had a year's worth of rain in two days in Queensland. Floods, it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. Luckily, it wasn't quite that bad where we are in New South Wales, but it was close. <laughs> We've had a few really nice yeah. days here. Lovely clear blue skies. I'm sure that I'll have changed by the time this podcast goes out. And we'll be back to the misery and the rain. <laughs> right. And what have you been playing? Uh, have you been Arkhaming or uh, other I've things? Not, I've, or? Still, I've still got my next scenario of Edge of the Earth sat out on the desk in front of me. And I've still not found time to play it. But then I'm going to keep getting distracted by other things. I bought a copy of mm. Outer Rim last weekend. Star Wars Outer Rim. And played that right. with the family. And everyone really enjoyed it. I um, I had a bit of Christmas money and an Amazon voucher sort of left over. So in the end, it only cost me £7 once I'd put everything else to it. Um, I played it a couple of years ago at a games conference, just as it was about to come out. And I thought it was OK. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But then there was the news that FFG are doing it, finally doing an expansion for it. So I thought, I'm going to take the plunge then. If they're going to carry on supporting right. it, I'll take the plunge. And like I say, it only cost me £7. And yeah, really enjoyed it. And it's got a solo mode as well, so I can play it as billionaire mates as well. I have, I've, got, I've got a copy of it too, it's, but it's still in plastic, so I right. should break it out, actually. I've, I've never tried it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's quite a good little game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit yeah. fiddly to set up, lots of little tokens to put in different random places and things like that. But uh, no, it plays well. Right. Uh, from what I've read online... Um, don't play it to death, otherwise you'll get bored of it quite quickly. But if you break it out once in a while, it's fine. Yep. Right. So, uh, right. I think it really does need that expansion that's on its way. Oh, okay. On its way. Yeah. Awesome. Which means we'll get it in about two years in Australia. I think then, so, if yeah. It's, uh, yeah. On its way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how's Elden Ring going? Oh, it's going. <laughs> I'm about 60, 65 hours in. Um, wow. so I've been, yeah, I've been playing it daily, uh, each night and a lot in the weekends. So, I mean, it's, it's fantastic, but I'm, you know, I'm finding it very frustrating. The, the moment to moment, it's awful to play. It's awful to play moment to moment. <laughs> but for some reason, after a while, you look back and go, oh, that was actually quite good. So yeah. It just gets worse and worse. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's brilliant. So if you like that kind of thing, if you like the Souls games, it's more of the same. If you don't like the Souls games, it's more of the same. So um, at least yeah. it's been so. open world, hasn't it? So if you come up against something yeah. you can't get past, you can just go somewhere else yes. instead. Which it was always more linear before, wasn't it? 
or the other games. I think. That's exactly right. And you can, a lot of the time, sneak around things as well. So um, it's much more um, flexible. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Souls games, and I'm not a fan of stealth. Yeah. So that's two things you've always said there to put me on. <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes to the bosses, I just uh, I, I just get two, I just get other people to, 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 to come into my game. And, and then I uh, just watch from the sidelines <laughs> and I just cheer them on while they they beat the boss. Excellent. <laughs> so that's what I do. And uh, yeah, so I'm pretty enjoying that. And uh, we're still doing The Edge of the Earth and that's that's still ongoing. So uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, PlayStation-wise, I finished the Destiny 2, um, I forgot the name of it, Witch Queen campaign last weekend. Mm-hmm. Really good. Best story Destiny's had since it started. And um, Yeah, it's all good reviews. Yeah. Uh, what else have I been playing? Oh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. I picked that up cheap just before Christmas, so I've been powering through that. Uh, I've had a few days off, so I've put it to good use by just sitting on my backside and playing on the PlayStation. Excellent. Did you finish Death Stranding? Did you? Oh, no, that's still on my pile the... of unfinished games. I do, <laughs> I do need to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to the end. Oh, the end was just went on and on and on and on and oh, like that's a Kojima game for you, isn't it? Yeah. There's this one bit where you're sitting on a beach and you just run around for three minutes, and then there's another lot of exposition. Then you run around for another three minutes, and it's like I've got better things to do with my time than run around a virtual beach. Just. <laughs> Is it, doing like, is it like the end of Lord of the Rings where you think, oh, this is definitely the end now. Oh, and another scene. Oh, and another scene. And another <laughs> yeah, scene. it's, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it drags on a bit, but anyway. <laughs> Excellent. So there we go. So we should just, um, I suppose there's something very important that I nearly forgot to talk about, which is the mailbag. Excellent. Um, yes, we've had, yes, as usual, I've got the mailbag right here. It's stuffed full of envelopes and postcards and, and everything and we got some we got some fantastic mail actually um we have received an important email i have to say from a fan of the show in fact this person's been such a fan they've been with the show from the very beginning uh listening and contributing from the very start so i'm going to email i'm going to uh, read out their uh, email in full you'll be interested to hear that hear this dear flavor text in the latest episode on The Last King, Kevlin did some stats on the chances on pulling the skull or tentacle tokens in the dining room. Later in the episode, he was confused about the contents of the chaos bag and the resolutions, and Krabby Terror uh, 8 had to remind him that two tokens are added during scenario one when the place fills with ooze or fire or whatever. This would have been the perfect opportunity for Kevling to realise he'd missed those two tokens out of his odds calculation and correct his mistake, but he failed to do so. What a Muppet. Please do better next time. Lots of love, Kevling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What what can I say? He's right. Yeah. Oh, that was great because uh, that was the only mail we actually got. <laughs> so it's better to get something than nothing. We so, have to send uh, our own yeah, mail to ourselves. That that's right. So uh, well, I thought I'd get in there before someone else mail. corrected me. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that was fantastic because I was so excited. Oh, there's a mail, there's mail. And I start reading it and go, ah. I know that <laughs> So, name. yes. Uh, yeah, I know that name. That yeah. sounds familiar. So, um, yes, please send us uh, mail. We really do, uh, we really do uh, enjoy receiving it. Uh, otherwise, we'll have to send our own. <laughs> so uh, where are we up to uh Kevlin? where are we up to in the uh in, in the whole scheme of things well we've we're, just we're, been to that crazy party haven't we and we found out oh, in that party, party that um this wasn't the first time that the play had been put on in arkham and of course the most logical place to go to find out anything about the previous versions of that play is the historical society for some reason i think it's a bit tenuous, but that's where we're going this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's almost, it's almost as though they came up with an idea for this. Like, this uh, how do we fit this one into the story? Because <laughs> every town has a historical society yeah, uh, with, uh, with information. <laughs> not just a historical society, one with multiple floors. It's so big. It's not just a library. It's a monstrosity. It seems like Arkham is awash with huge buildings for such a small place. <laughs> Not only has it got three floors of buildings, every time I go in, it's blooming different. <laughs> yes, right. And uh, I think it sort of sets up the that you're sort of well, if you um, if you sort of end up at the party and sort of fall asleep, you kind of get told. But otherwise, you're sort of driving through the night, and it kind of dawns on you or something. That's how it starts, doesn't it? It sort of worms its way into your mind that you real that you somehow remember you know, the the King in Yellow had been put on it previously, some years before. And so yes, this this like you say, this sort of sparks this idea that you better go and find out what happened last time, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that's that's it. If you um if you parleyed with Sebastian Moreau at the party as oh, well. Yes. yes, you get a little extra, um, don't you? You get a little extra bit, tit, bits of information. All it basically says is is that, uh, again, it's just, it was in the past. Uh, and I think apart from reiterating that, because it doesn't say, I don't know if it says anything about Nigel Engram as well in that extra bit of information. It says, you recall what Sebastian told you during the dinner party, Kenyon Yellow had come to Arkham several decades before, long before the Ward Theatre was built. And according to him, it isn't surprising that few people remember. In fact, part of their goal tonight was to bring the King in Yellow to a wider audience. The historical society may have kept records pertaining to this early production, especially if it was followed by events similar to what occurred tonight. Perhaps you can find some newspaper clippings or other articles. So it doesn't really tell you that much more. It's more that you get some extra clues on the opening um, location basically you get a bit of a boost or a bit of a boost. yes it's a location that doesn't normally have clues on it isn't it that's that's right the the entry hall yeah so um yeah so there's again uh compared to later campaigns not a lot of exposition not a lot of you know huge sort of story kind of fairly it's fairly brief uh, we're off to the hysterical society, and we're going to find out what's 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 happened in the past. Hopefully, so that's kind of all we have, and we're straight into the scenario yeah. in that way. So yeah, and one thing I do like about this scenario is the way the map is laid out. It does physically represent the building. You've got your three rows of cards to represent the three floors, 
uh, and you can go yep. up the, uh, the the halls in the middle to get to the rooms either side. Uh, and you, uh, you, you, and for each floor, you randomly choose two out of the three. I think it is available That's locations. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, like I said earlier, the layout is slightly different every time you go in. I suppose. Yeah. Obviously, the rooms aren't physically different. I guess it's just uh, the path of your investigation. It changes as you're exploring yeah. the building. I yeah, guess. Yeah. I guess that's the narrative hook there. I suppose. The only other thing to take into account when you're doing the setup is you will get a seek- some seekers of Carcosa spawned in various locations around the building, depending on how many players there are in the game. So if there's one player, yep. nothing happens. Two players, one spawns on the third floor. Three sp- players two spawn on the third floor and four players, three spawn on different second and third floor locations. And then the Mm. only other thing of consequence is if you fled the dinner party, you actually arrive with time to spare and you can all take an extra action during the first turn of the game. And fled the dinner party was uh, the second option on the interlude. Uh, So that's where we just said, I think we just said, let's get out of here. I think yes. the three options were exactly. it was either go back inside, run away, or kill them yep. all. So it was the middle, the, the the middle option that doesn't give you any doubt or conviction, but it gives you this bonus at the start yep. of the next bonus scenario. Yeah. So depending on all of those choices, all of them impact to, to greater or lesser degrees uh, what happens in this scenario. Uh, obviously, if you burn it down, then Sebastian won't rock up later uh like you say you get an extra turn or you get extra clues so just depending on what you manage to do and there's so, potentially yeah. another impact of what you did with sebastian that will occur later on and we'll come to that as mm. the yes um, as the cards yes. advance yes so it, it's it's actually it, it's hard not to think of the miskatonic museum when thinking about this because they they sort of feel a little bit similar Yes, uh, but also different. Like I think this one's laid out better than the the Miskatonic Museum. That had sort of randomness, but they were just sort of all laid out. They weren't sort of on different floors. It was less structured. Um, it, it was like a structured deck. And I think we said at the time, didn't we, that you could gain that mm. one because you know roughly whereabouts yeah. in the deck the location you're trying to find is. Whereas on this, uh, it, it you you can't you can't. It's 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 much tighter no. the, the mechanics. Yes, yes, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a fairly straightforward setup, uh, which is good. It, it's not, not overly taxing in terms of getting it all organised. Uh, and uh, I, I guess, um, you know, you've, you've got this goal, although the goal itself is a little bit vague in the sense that you're just looking for information. And the yes. other thing that you find out, I guess, at the at the very start uh that the doors of the manor are already open so mm. there are people in here and it's already unlocked so clearly somebody else has got a similar idea yeah. to us yeah that that's the kind of feeling you get that that whatever you're doing here there's somebody else whereas i think in the miskatonic museum you did get the feeling someone else was necessarily trying to get information at the same time, although things happened. In this one, it's much clearer that whilst we're trying to find information, 
there's going to be another set of people trying to find information as well. There's going to be this competing... If they find that information, then that makes it harder for you to find information, or there is less information for you to find. So it's quite interesting how the mechanics play out there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to that in more detail. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where, where should we start? Should we talk about the locations, or should we talk about the sort of the act process or the agenda process shall, I'm we, just shall we start with that. the locations i think that probably makes most sense doesn't it that's that's a nice idea yeah, yeah. why don't we do that why don't we do that so i'll go first with the entry hall um on its unrevealed side it simply says it's connected to each other ground floor location and it's described as a long warm hall and two grand staircases greet you as you enter the manor house of arkham's historical society and um I don't know if that's a novel thing or not, but actually there is text in the picture. Welcome to Arkham Historical Mm. Society. I imagine that's probably something that there's less of on later cards because of translation issues Mm. and things like that. But yeah, you don't normally see text and signs in the artwork, do you? Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, And then, yeah, when you reveal it, it's too shroud and no clues unless we've interviewed uh, Sebastian Moreau. Uh, and there we have. There's no. There's no flavour text or anything on the revealed side, but we do have a resign option of you flee, leaving the mysterious of the past to the mysterious cultists. Well, there's the clue there that we were up <laughs> against mysterious cultists before we've even met any of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, I'll just take one of these other ground floor ones. Um, now they're all. They all have the same. The other three, and of course, you take two of these randomly, and they've got that generic picture of a sort of a table and a door partly open which is sort of the, the generic yes. uh it just uh and they all say the same thing um when an enemy spawns at this location reveal it and and that's important because if it wasn't revealed they wouldn't be able to take clues and things like that it says an unadorned wooden door leads to want to one of the ground floor rooms used by the historical society and the first one I've got here is the meeting room, which looks like a sort of a boardroom of sorts. Uh, and it says, one of the chairs is knocked over and a hole is torn in the ceiling above. What could possibly have created such damage? Yeah, what could have created such damage? Yeah. That's a bit strange, isn't you it? You look at the picture, it looks um, like there's all blood up the wall as well. I know, it's, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? And um, this this is... It, what's one one clue per investigator? But it's a four shroud location. Uh, exhaust an and it has an action here. Exhaust an ally asset. Discover a clue at this location. So limit once per round. So you, if you've got allies on board, you can get clues that way. It's also traded passageway. So it is the only one of the three that's traded passageway on the ground floor. So if you're lucky, and you don't, you wouldn't know at the beginning of the scenario, obviously. But if you're lucky, you might get one of these uh, in the uh, on the ground floor. So that's the the meeting room. Okay. Maybe that's the passageway. Maybe the hole in the ceiling is the passageway. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one I've got is called the record office. Two shroud, one clue per mm. investigator. Uh, this confined room contains numerous files that might have been helpful to your investigation were it not for the thick awful sludge filling the file cabinet drawers uh, and, <laughs> interesting oh. and, and I never actually noticed it it is actually in the picture as well 
oozing out of that drawer mm. on the right. <laughs> uh, each enemy at this location gets plus one fight and plus one evade. So I was trying to think mechanically why that would be the case. I'm guessing it's described as a confined room. So I suppose it's it's harder to avoid their, their fists, I guess. Not sure why it's... An ooze, perhaps. Well, yes. <laughs> Not quite sure why it's easier for them to avoid yours, but never mind. Mm, we don't get a mm, plus one fight, yeah. do we? <laughs> Fighting yeah. in confined quarters, but uh, yeah, yeah. So it clearly, if this if this cult's in here, they're not taking much care. If there's uh, broken ceilings and ooze in the filing cabinets, they're clearly, mm. uh, you know, not being too careful. No. <laughs> uh, and then the third ground floor location is the historical museum, which is. Uh, it's a little bit like the Miskatonic Museum. It's sort of these kind of cabinets in glass with various artifacts. And uh, this is a two-shroud, uh, one-clue-per-investigator location, a bit, bit like the uh, record office. It says, Most of the objects on display here are from the early 18th century, spanning Arkham's colonisation and early history. But it says, While investigating this location, your intellect cannot be modified for some reason. So you... you I mean, it's a fairly low shroud location, so seekers aren't going to be worried. But uh, interestingly, one of the... It doesn't refer to this in the text, but one of the displays has been smashed mm. and they've taken something from it. So uh, Yes, I wonder yeah. if we'll find out what that is later. <laughs> mm. Yes. There we go. Okay, so that's the ground floor done. Um, I just had a thought. I think... Um, sorry, with the ground floor, I think they errated... A couple of the locations. Oh, did they? From memory as well. The location's ability should read, while investigating this location, your intellect cannot be increased. Oh, interesting. So they've right. changed it from your intellect cannot be modified to it cannot be increased. So I guess you can force a fail, maybe, by dropping your intellect, using like Granny Orn or something like that, fail worse. Yeah, or fail something better. like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So if we move up a floor, they've got the quiet halls on the second floor, which is connected to each mm -hmm. other second floor location. Other than the creaking of the wooden floor beneath your steps, the manor is eerily silent. Which is interesting when we know that there's cultists in there ransacking the place looking for stuff, but uh, yeah. they've obviously been very careful about it, or very quiet <laughs> at least. Or it's yeah. a big old building, <laughs> you just can't hear what's going on in the surrounding You hear what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the re revealed side, it's three shroud, no clues. Uh, again, it's connected to each other second floor location. Mm. But as an action here, if each location in play is revealed and there are no clues on locations in play, place one clue per investigator on quiet halls from the token bank. So it's just an opportunity mm. there to replenish some clues if you've run out for whatever reason because the, the cultists are running around sucking them all up and you're kind of stuck in a dead end, I guess. Yes, quiet holes, yes. Yeah. So I'll take one of these. I'll take the reading room. So this is the second floor. It's a, uh, a five-shroud and only one-clue location. Um, from the flickering lamplight... Uh, and open books, you can tell that someone has been reading here recently. So um, somebody's also in the building reading and things like that. Um, 
And it's got an action investigate if you succeed. Instead of discovering clues, choose an enemy with doom on it. Take one of that enemy's doom and flip it to its clue side and place it on your investigator. Group limit once per round. Wow. Okay, that's that's quite a nice effect, given what happened to us when we played it. <laughs> that's uh, quite good. Yeah. 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 Uh, next one I've got is the historical library. Uh, the sheer number of books in the Historical Society's library is overwhelming. Even if you had weeks to spend researching, you couldn't hope to sort through all of them. And then there's a reaction ability. Oh, this one is a passageway, and I didn't say. Uh, it's mm -hmm. three shroud and two clues per investigator. Uh, after you successfully investigate this location, take two horror and discover a clue at this location. So that is an additional clue to the results of your investigation, isn't it? Uh, but you can mm. only do that once per round. Uh, and I'm just trying to, from a gameplay and mechanics point of view, just trying to work out why that would be the case. All I can think of is in the flavour text there that the room is just overwhelming. Mm. So I'm guessing you're, you're just taking, yep. you're struggling with your sanity because of the sheer volume of the task in volume. front of you, trying to find something in in that room, I guess. Yes, and it looks like a lot of books have been thrown off the shelves. Yeah. Um, someone else is also looking for stuff and rifling through the, the books. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then we have um, the Historical Museum again. So it's it's, it's identical to the uh, ground floor one. Yeah. Um, it's it's absolutely identical in every way. I'm not, yeah, they've just... Yeah, interesting... You don't see that very often where they just have exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to see it again in a moment. <laughs> right. So if we move upstairs, yeah. quiet halls, third floor. Uh, yes. Again, it's exactly the same as the second floor one. So, um, yep. Only it says third on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, do you want to take the next location? Yeah. So up here on the third floor, we have the. Records office, record office, which is probably the same as the other record office. Yes, again, it's it's the same, um, yeah, in every way. So uh, again, I didn't realise there was multiples of the same thing. Uh, so that's just just the record office. So it's identical to the one before. Yeah. And then we also have another historical library with all the books all over the floor. So that's exactly the same again, except it's traded. Is the other one traded passageway? They well, both are, aren't they? Yes, they are. No, they are, yeah. Yes, they are. So it yes. is absolutely identical, other than it being on a different floor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do you want to read the the third, the okay. last one? Yeah, the last one is Peabody's office, the third floor, and it has a passageway. Uh, well, uh, well, this office must belong to someone important within the historical society. Uh, it's four shroud, two clues per investigator. Um, it has passageway trait as well. And while an investigator at this location controls Mr. Peabody, this location gets minus two shroud. Hmm. And obviously something looks like something nasty has happened to Mr. Peabody in there because there's his chairs on, yeah. the, on the floor, there's blood on the floor. Yeah. Uh, not sure if that's not sure what that I not sure if that's an item that maybe the person has been hit over the head with. And then just yeah, the it looks like perhaps. a heavy object. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's a, it's a telephone, I think, because there's a little handset to to one side. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. 
Interesting. Mm. Yeah, and the uh, thing about the third floor is the third floor is the only floor where there's two two of the three locations have passageway trade. Yes. So you're guaranteed at least one location in will have passageway. That's the bare minimum, isn't it? Exactly, and the likelihood is that, yeah, you know, and the thing is, this is where the variability is because you could end up with only passageway on the third floor and no others, Mm -hmm. or you could end up with passageways on every floor, uh, and that's going to make quite a bit of a difference, I think. Um, Yes, you know, just how many how many rooms have passageway traits to them. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in so in terms of locations, that's everything that's in play at the start of the game. So um Yep. Shall we go back to the act and the agenda now? Hmm. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, good idea. Okay, so I'll start with agenda one A, the truth is hidden. Surprisingly, the front doors of the Historical Society's Georgian Manor are cracked halfway open when you arrive. You mentioned that earlier, didn't you? Who else could be here at this hour? But Interesting change to the mechanics. Just think it's the first time that they've done something like this. Uh, do not add doom to this agenda during the mythos phase. Oh, this is going to be nice and easy then, if no doom's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then the forced effect is after one or more clues are placed on an enemy in play, flip those clues to their doom side. Yes, and I suppose what they what the, the idea they're getting at here is is that there's clues on locations. They're not being added to the agenda per se, um, but um, with the during the mythos phase. Um, but they, um, but what can happen is is if as the cult sort of takes hold, increasing numbers of doom are happening on cultists, are happening on the agenda, but they're not being impact. It's not a mythos related thing as such it's that they're finding information they're finding what they need i think that's what they're trying to kind of emulate yeah and instead of it being a slowly ticking clock uh you do have a little bit of control over how much doom's in play by going after these cultists don't you yeah that's right was the um agenda changed was that errata or was that just my imagination i'm just trying to remember Erratum, the first ability on this agenda should read, skip the place one doom on the current agenda step of the mythos phase. So it's just changed from do not add doom to skip place one doom. Exactly, because doom could be added for other reasons. So in the unerratum one, you couldn't add doom for other reasons. You know, there could be other reasons why doom gets added to the agenda. Um that's all, so that's what that errata is. After one or more clues are placed on the enemy in play, flip those clues to their doom side. So we'll look at the enemies in a minute, but different enemies have different rules as to what happens with the clues on their locations when they are when they spawn there. So we'll look at those shortly. Yeah. But basically, yeah, the clues are going to be picked up by the courtists if we don't get there first. And once they're picked up, once they're picked up by the courtists, they become doomed, so then they're out of our reach then. Exactly. And then there are other cultists like the, uh, what's his name? The, there's, there's a couple of cultists who are also in the deck from the original core set uh, who just get doom on them, you know. The, yes. the, so there's doom being generated from them as well, from basic cultists and the sort of the, 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 
the I can't remember. I'm thinking of the King of Cultists, whatever his name is. I forget now. He's in the Midnight Masks and things, but uh, he he gets a doom every every turn, every yes. round at, in the so, Mythos space and things like that. So I guess that sort yeah. of dilutes your efforts, doesn't it? If you do, you go for the clues that are still there, or do you go after the cultists that have hoovered the clues up and have got doom on them to stop the agenda advancing? Yes, and that's why in the quiet halls they have that little thing about about adding extra clues, right? Yes. If each location in play is revealed and there are no clues on locations in play, place one clue per investigator on quiet halls. So what they do is, and it also happens through the, I think the act or something, they're making sure they refresh enough clues because <laughs> yes. they could be getting hoovered up by the uh, by the cult, uh, as we found we found ourselves in that exact position where there were just no clues around because they'd taken them all. <laughs> Definitely. And, and also that explains yeah. the importance of the reading room that we were looking at earlier so that it, it didn't turn yes. up in our practice game, but you've got the action there of basically taking a doom off an enemy and turning it back into a clue. So, um, mate, shall we sort of take the... Because they kind of act and agenda are almost kind of parallel things. They don't, you know, they're like sort of two... You know, where the investigators are doing one thing, the cultists are doing other. Should we just go through the all the acts or all the agendas? Maybe should we do all the agendas first? Okay, yeah. Um, sure. What sure. do you think? Or should yeah, we yeah, do that's fine. One? They, yeah, they just, well, they just... feel like they trip through that way, don't they? Yeah. So we've read the front of Agenda 1A. Yeah. Uh, so when that advances, so when there's two doomed per investigator in play, uh, the reverse is Dark Ritual. A phrase in a language you cannot describe whispers through the building, and without warning, all of the electric lights shatter at once. You light a nearby candle and continue your search. The building is quite different once plunged into darkness. Shadows and silhouettes dance along the walls. Crevices you haven't noticed before draw your eye. What other secrets does this building hold? And then it's just the bog standard shuffle the encounter discard pile into the encounter deck. Nothing specific yes. happens. Now, it's fairly benign, that one. Which yes. is just as well because after that one things get really bad. Yes. <laughs> because yeah. Do you want to take number two? two three. Yeah. So two A uh, is ransacking the manor. So though the whispering has ceased, the sounds of rummaging of furniture shifting is unmistakable. Whoever is here, they're searching just as thoroughly as you are. So it's reinforcing the idea that whatever you're doing, there's other people doing the same thing. Although interestingly, we couldn't hear anything earlier. But now we got his unmistakable sound there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Exactly. Yeah, there is this. I just realised there is this thing where the images on the on the um, locations are quite violent, but then it's quiet. But then you can hear rummaging around. There's sort of a, mm-hmm. you know, they, a bit of a disconnect there. Kind of line there? up yeah. as always, isn't it? Yeah, there's a little bit. So then, agenda two B is oath breaking the front door. So this is if the agenda trips again. Uh, and um, I mean, we'll get on to what we're doing, but this is just 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 the agenda side of things. The front door of the manor opens, letting in a howl of chill wind and the pitter patter of soft rain. Then it suddenly slams shut. You find a place to hide and eavesdrop, wondering who else might have entered the building this late. No, I swear, I swear, I don't know where the door is. A man cries out. You'll have to find the path on your own. I cannot help you. He sounds panicked and disoriented. You spoke the oath. A man's voice responds, you spoke his name. 
The man stammers, no, no, I cannot, I will not. Then his voice becomes distorted and he speaks no more. You hear footsteps on the staircase, heavy and wet. And put the set-aside possessed oath speaker enemy in the entry hall and check the campaign log if Sebastian Moreau is not listed under VIP slain. Search the collection for Sebastian Moreau, Savage, Hysteria and spawn him in the entry hall. So Mm -hmm. at the end of Agenda 2B, you've got... Two pretty nasty, nasty yes. uh, monsters uh, already there. Um, both of them are pretty tough. Um, and that's a, that's yeah. an added reason for either killing Sebastian in the first in the previous scenario, or just killing everybody in the interlude, <laughs> <laughs> just to make that's your right. life a little bit easier here. Yes. Yeah. So he's a bit of a double-edged sword, isn't he, really? Because by interviewing him, you get the extra clues, but if you don't kill him, he'll come back to get you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not clear why he turns up, but he does. <laughs> mm. I, I can see why the old speaker turns up. He's clearly r- running the show. He's a hunter retaliate, uh, four, five per investigator, three. He's uh, yeah, he's an elite monster, and also at the beginning of the enemy phase, the investigators must either ready possessed oath speaker or place a doom on it. So um, yeah, so more doom being generated um, by the oath speaker as well, which is exactly what you don't want to happen. So this just ramps so pretty quickly by agenda two B. This really this scenario is really designed to be done fast because if you don't do it quickly, if you don't get in get what you need and get out things get very nasty very very quickly okay so shall i take the third agenda yep secrets better left hidden whoever these people are they must be involved with the conspiracy behind the king in yellow you can't let them find whatever it is they're looking for so same rules still apply we're not uh, doing the one out of doom step and enemies are still grabbing the clues and turning them to doom. Mm-hmm. But then if the agenda then advances, it's uh, three per investigator threshold. The way forward. There is a rush of footsteps along the manor's central stairway and the front door opens once more. Have you found it? A muffled voice asks. Yes, we can embark immediately. The path will be opened. The door closes and the manor returns to being quiet and lonely. For the remainder of your search, you find no further traces of the mysterious robed figures, nor do you find any information to answer your many questions about the King in Yellow. Resolution 4. Mm. So basically they got what they wanted and they've gone. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're left just pottering around an empty townhouse, unable to find anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's interesting because... I mean, a lot of the time in scenarios, you're doing stuff and the enemies are there to fight you, resist you, stop you. In this one, they're not really, they're not really there. They don't really care about you. If you leave them alone, they'll just, they'll just do what they need to do and get out. (laughs) And in a way, we're doing the same thing. We don't want to trouble them. We just want to get in, get what we need and get out again. (laughs) Yes. As quickly as possible. I mean, in fairness, the possessed um, oath speaker will be hunting us around the building, but apart from that, yes, they're not bothered yes. about us, are they? No, 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 exactly. And it's not like that the design is such it's going to be easy to avoid the possessed oath speaker, so... Yes, because he spawns in the entry hall, doesn't he? So that's straight up the centre of the building, easy access to every 
Yes. Yes. Unless you're using all the passageways to sort of run around the building and avoid everything. Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's what happens if the uh, if the cult sort of gets their way and gets through to the end of the... But hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. We, we, uh, we, certainly, we certainly struggled. We, we did, we did. But that's just us, I think. <laughs> yes. I think we were unlucky as well. I think we'll... Yeah. we'll um, yeah, in that way. But it is quite possible to get through these acts quite fast as well. And there's a, uh, a clear path to, to a resolution as well. Yeah, we thought we were doing okay at some point, didn't we? And then it, it turned south very, very quickly, if I remember right. Yeah. It did. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it did. So, it shall did. we look at the acts then? Yeah. Uh, well, it's back yeah. to you, I guess, for Act 1. Yeah, Act 1A, Race for Answers. Each of the historical society's many rooms contains records and documents that may aid you in your search for answers about the king in yellow. There must be something here that can guide you towards the truth. And uh, Act 1B is late night studies. You find a record kept by one of the society's historians pertaining to the dreadful events surrounding the closing of an old theatre in Arkham, the Cedar Playhouse. Though there is no explicit mention of the King in Yellow, you believe you are on the right track. The historian's notes are cut short, but there is a faded handwritten page clipped to the final entry. This matter is too ghastly for the public eye. I am placing the remainder of this record in the hidden library. All further inquiries should be done away from prying eyes, for this is a dangerous matter and not one to be researched lightly. For each revealed historical society location, add one clue per investigator to it to a maximum of its clue value. So you get some extra clues, and what you get from that is, is that you've got to find this hidden library, basically. But you don't know where it is. Yes. You just know there's a hidden library somewhere in the in the building. Yeah, which leads us on to Act 2A, Mistakes of the Past. Somewhere in the manor, as you say, is a hidden library where you might be able to find more information about the King in Yellow. You must find the way in if you are to continue your investigation. Two clues per investigator to advance. And then when you do advance... Secret passageways. So that passageway trait is going to become clear now. Uh, As you rummage through a desk drawer, you are startled when you hear a voice behind you. Excuse me, can I help you? You are relieved to find the voice belongs to a thin elderly man wearing wide-rimmed glasses, a member of the Historical Society, no doubt. You explain to him that you are searching for a hidden library somewhere in the manor, though you purposely leave out why. He introduces himself as Mr Peabody, the Historical Society's curator. I'll help you find what you're looking for, he explains, but only if you tell me what this is all about once we get there. You hope it doesn't come to that. For each revealed historical society, again, add one clue per investigator up to its maximum. Choose an investigator to take control of Mr Peabody and put the set-aside hidden library location into play. So, I guess we ought to look at Mr Peabody now. Yes. Well, so yes. let's 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 look at the hidden library first. Sorry. So, the on its unrevealed size, it simply says, while an enemy is moving, hidden library gains the passageway trait, and that's all we know about it at the moment because it's unrevealed. Uh, when we do flip it over, uh, when we do find a way of getting into it, while an enemy is again, it has the same trait, uh, but the description 
<laughs> the place was a small reading room carpeted with cobwebs and dust. Filled bookshelves lined the walls, but a few books lay scattered on the floor as though their readers had abandoned them in a hurry. And that quote comes from Lisa Farrell, The Investigators of Arkham Horror, which, if I'm honest, I th- thought was a little bit self-referential because that is an Arkham Files book published by FFG (laughs) Arkham (laughs) short stories Uh, but uh, yeah never mind Uh, Uh, and I think there's a bit of text on the the unrevealed side too I think most of the researchers in the historical society don't even know of this library's existence what terrible truths could it be hiding so the hidden library just sits off in space Somewhere. Yes, yeah, not physically connected to any other location. We don't quite know how we get there until we see what Mr. Peabody can do or what he knows. Yes. So he, yep. so any of the investigators can take control of him at this point and he has an action to exhaust him, choose a location. Until Mr. Peabody readies, that location gets minus one shroud and gains the passageway trait. This building contains many secrets. I will show you some, but even I don't know them all. Uh, and he's got two physical and mental um, health. And he has the ally trait. So if you had an ally in play, he's going to kick out an ally that you've got just so that you can uh, find your way around the library. Yeah. Um, yes. Ouch. But yeah, so basically you take you take an act, use an action on Mr Peabody to declare a location as having the passageway trait so what you would have to do is say be at a passageway location and declare that the hidden library is also a passageway and then you can move between the two but you yes, can't move into exactly. the hidden library until you do that because it doesn't have the passageway no. trait until Mr Peabody gives it it exactly kind of doesn't quite make sense in my head it only has a passageway if you say it has yeah i I, yeah yeah it's very convoluted i think i think what they were getting at was he knows because he sort of says you know i know some of the secrets so they're getting they're sort of getting at the idea that he kind of knows his way around and i guess you can also use this as we did if you're on the top floor you could take the bottom floor as a passageway and then find your way out yes uh, if you need yes. to get out quickly or something like that the problem i have it i have with it though is it's just it just seems a really i mean convoluted way because and they haven't really used it since and i kept thinking well could they have just had a third floor location that you have to clear of clues to find the hidden library that's off one of those locations i don't really I don't know why they made it so kind of convoluted. I suppose it's a variation of the Jazz Mulligan thing from uh, Dunwich where you Mm. needed him with you to be able to get into a location because he had the keys. But I don't don't know why they couldn't have just done that. But I I suppose, like you say, it's to add that variability of adding extra ways of moving around the whole building rather than just the hidden library, I guess. Yeah, it just it just felt a bit kind of it just felt like it just felt a bit over engineered you know in terms of what you sort of had to do i think that's all um you know you have to kind of and what happens if he dies i guess if he dies you just can't get to the hidden library i suppose yeah yeah <laughs> i suppose that's it right um yeah so yeah. there's that kind of problem as well that, yeah. so yeah yeah um so yeah, I mean it's it's not something they kind of 
I don't recall them doing it in later things. Usually it's like clear clues and then you can get to the next, you know, some other location. And in fact, if you think about Blood on the Altar, that's a good example of where that's another way they did it, right? You had to find the key. Yes. And whatever. It is that the, hidden. That's the hidden chamber and the hidden key. Yeah. The hidden chamber. Yeah. yeah, the hidden key. And that was a much more elegant way, I think, of doing it. Then this just feels a bit, a bit over engineered. Mm. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah, and a bit complicated. I think once you've played it a couple of times, it's fine. But I remember the first time I played it, it was a really kind of ha- quite hard to get your head around. Yeah, it's a bit of a head exactly isn't it, how it, first, yeah. exactly how it works. Okay, so and you're right; it's counterintuitive because shouldn't you be? Shouldn't it be more that the hidden library is passageway traded, and you've got to trait other wouldn't that be better if they'd said the hidden libraries through a passage and peabody has to find the passage where you exhaust him to find a passage way through to the hidden library you can only travel through passageways if you have mr peabody with you or somebody with you or something like that it just feels like it was unnecessarily over engineered anyway it it is what it is so yeah yeah, it is so do you want to take the final act yeah, so you know, if so, then you move on to Act Act Three A, which is the oath. The building is very old and filled with all manner of secret passageways. Mister Peabody explains. Perhaps one of them will lead you to this library you're looking for. So he doesn't actually know. So that's the other thing is I guess he that's doesn't the explanation know then, where isn't it? it is. Yeah, yeah, we we're following him through passageways in the hope that we will find the hidden. We'll find it. Yeah. He's the curator there. You'd think he'd know where it is. But anyway, uh, locations with the passageway trade are connected to one another. Okay. Um, uh, and only investigators in the hidden library can spend the requisite number of clues as a group to advance. So basically, you just need, you know, three clues per investigator. If you've been going through these acts pretty fast, there's going to be tons of clues because you're adding clues every time. Uh, so... If you manage to do things quickly, and that's the way you've got to do things, you'll have no trouble getting into the hidden library and, you know, throwing in all the clues. Um, you know, most of the time. <laughs> if you get stymied or delayed, then you're going to have trouble. Yeah, yeah. So Act three, Act 3B three is uh, The Clasp, which is also the name of an excellent song on um, Broadsword and the Beast by Jethro Tull from 1982 or something, I think. But anyway, wrong, wrong as you podcast, study the as you study the hidden library, you find a few pieces of information that stand out. As with the recent production, the previous performance of The King in Yellow came to Arkham from overseas and was performed by a French acting troupe. <laughs> you recognise any of the cast members' names. You don't, sorry, recognise any of the cast members' names. And, of course, the actor who played the role of the stranger is anonymous. However, it seems that a member of the Historical Society has done some of your work for you. There are several old newspaper clippings gathered together along with information about the play. Headlines include Cedar Playhouse closes due to fire, experts baffled over freak floods and the like. Hidden amongst this information is you also find a strange object, a clasp of onyx with an alien inscription. How do you know it's an alien inscription? Surely it's just a language you don't recognise. Yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe and that's what they yes, mean by good alien. Point. Yeah. yeah, strange. Yeah. And you have a choice. 
This is an important discovery. We should take it, R1, or it's just a silly trinket and it would be wrong to steal from the historical society. Leave it behind. And, um, yes, the black onyx clasp is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so it's classed as a weakness, isn't it? Mm. Uh, it's an asset that costs one to put it in play. While the clasp of black onyx is in your hand, increase the cost of each other card in your hand by one. So it makes things more difficult for you until you play it. Yeah, you exactly. I mean, essentially... It's costing you resources because you've got to get it at a turn, because you'd because you'd have to get it out. You don't yeah. want it in your hand, so it's going to cost you one resource and one action. Sorry, not turn, one action to get yes. it out onto the table, basically. And there's a quote there from uh, Robert W. Chambers. Uh, it was neither Arabic nor Chinese, nor, as I found afterwards, did it belong to any human script. It's hard, unless you know the scenario, it's hard not to take it because you'd be like, oh, I really need to take this. Like, it could be important. It's loot. It's loot at the end of the adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, um, yeah, so there's sort of two choices there of, no, let's leave it. Or, no, let's take it. So there's the sort of two options for you there. there. Are there any other cards we want to look at before we move on to resolutions we've not looked at the enemies have we or these the treacheries that are specific to this scenario no uh, we haven't the seek the secret of carcosa which is the the guy that mm-hmm. spawns at the beginning and then he's also in the deck he's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. he's a two three two stats mm-hmm. he spawns at an empty location he's aloof uh, and he will take a clue at the end of the mythos phase, so he will slowly be taking all of the clues from wherever he is. Yeah, which is him sort of rummaging around and getting Mm -hmm. stuff. And then, of course, because it says on the agenda, after one or more clues are placed on enemy, flip those to the doom side. So, you know, he's he's basically hoovering up the clues as he goes along. Uh, He's not interested in fighting. He's aloof. He's just there to search, basically. But there's also the fanatic who pops up, who's a humanoid cultist. Revealed, he spawns at a revealed location with the most clues. So wherever there's most clues, when he enters play, you move a clue from the fanatic's location to the fanatic. And when you defeat the fanatic, you take control of all its clues. So yeah, but they're already doomed um, at that stage, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. So they're the sort of the cultists that sort of pop up, if you like. And then there are a couple of treacheries that are related to the cultists and how they work. So the first one is led astray. It's a peril, so you've got to make the decision on your own. You choose to either put one of your clues on a cultist or put a doom on the current agenda, uh, which may cause the agenda to advance. I guess I guess that as well uh, explains why they routed the... Uh, the comment about not being able to add doom during the mythos phase because this card clearly says you can <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly and i think we came a cropper on this one the cult search yes which um if there is a cultist enemy in play with doom on it move all the doom from each cultist enemy to the current agenda this may cause the current agenda to advance so what what can happen very quickly is you can find that the agenda just sort of gets supercharged and sort of just moves through really quickly 
Yeah, because once the, once the doom's on the agenda, you can't do anything about it, can you? While they're while they're on the courtists, you do still have a slim chance of getting rid of that doom. Correct. Exactly. Um, and if there are no cultist enemies in play with doom on them, search the encounter deck and discard pile for a cultist enemy and draw it. And so, I mean, that's what we found. We found so there was quite a few cultists, and so what happened was we just ended up getting kind of overwhelmed, didn't we? Yes. So that so there's the there's the so there's the competing acts and agendas with the four resolutions. So two for each, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so the first two resolutions are based on whether you, you've you made it all the way through the... Um, I always get act and agenda mixed up, the good one. Uh, and you've got to choose whether you're taking the clasp or not. So yes. uh, resolution one then, uh, there are no coincidences when it comes to the king in yellow. There is no doubt in your mind that the object you found is important. You decide to take it with you before continuing your investigation. The last record you find related to the original production of The King in Yellow is a psychiatric evaluation of one Daniel Chesterfield, a stagehand who lost his wits after the final show. It seems he was admitted to the asylum after the production ended. Perhaps he's still there. Mm. How long ago was that original play? I thought it was decades earlier, was it not? Yeah. So poor Daniel's getting on a bit then. He's been in there a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, you know, so, and that's that's telling us something about where we're going to be heading next. So that gives us that, that yes, that direction in that yeah. way quite nicely. And then the other outcomes are that you get a conviction in the campaign log. You record that you took the, the onic clasp, and one of you must include it in your deck. <laughs> so there's no may; it's a must. Right. Uh, and then it's the usual um, victory X. Uh, but then you take out the symbols from the chaos bag and replace them with two cultists. Okay, do you want to take resolution two? Yeah, which is similar to resolution one. This is where you don't take the onyx. So it's similar, it, the text is similar, but it starts, this investigation would make anybody paranoid. Attributing some greater meaning to everything you find could be danger a dangerous proposition. You're sure that this clasp is meaningless, perhaps even a prop from the original play. You leave it behind and continue your investigation. And then it says the last record you find is about uh, Daniel Chesterfield. So it's basically you're like, oh, this is just a silly prop. I'm just going to yes. ignore it. Um, so that's the difference there. And that gives you, Mark, a doubt rather than a conviction. For that, although it doesn't sound very doubtful, you sound more like you've got conviction there. <laughs> oh, it's just a silly prop, but anyway, you so, mark a doubt against that. I suppose it's that. the other way around, isn't it? It's you are convinced this is important, or you doubt its importance. Born, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's 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 the way. And basically, for that one, you remove all cultist tablet and elder thing tokens, and then just add two tablets to the chaos bag. Basically, so there's a lot of taking tablets out and adding tablets in yes. as you go along in, in this campaign. So that's that scenario. That's that's resolution. So resolution one, resolution two are sort of just not not too different from each yeah. other. So resolution three is what you get for defeating the possessed oath speaker. Was his name? I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> The figure collapses to the ground, its warped, melting body writhing in agony. It wheezes and cries out, a yellow glow emanating from inside its mouth and behind its eyes. Daniel, the thing says in its cracking voice. Seek Daniel, Daniel Chesterfield, the stagehunt he remembers. 
Deep inside the man's words, there is another voice behind it, whispering frankly in a melodic language. Find him. He too has spoken the oath, the oath that doomed us all. With those final words, the skin melts off the man's bones and he rattles to the floor. So in your campaign log, you record that you destroyed the oath speaker. You didn't just kill him, you destroyed him. And any one investigator can then add the tattered cloak to his or her deck. I'll have a look at that in a second. Uh, and then it's Victory X, and we replace the chaos symbols with two tablets this time. So same as the uh, the other one. So the tattered cloak is an asset. Uh, it costs two to put it into play. Its subtitle is Regalia Dementia. <laughs> uh, so you get minus one sanity... Uh, and you get plus one uh, willpower, fight and evade while you have three or fewer remaining sanity. So it's uh, it's a kind of a, it gives you a little bit of a boost when you are starting to to flag mentally, I guess. Uh, it's only it's only got one physical damage, and it yeah it takes the body slot, mm. but it only takes a single hit for mm. it to go. Hmm. I reckon Calvin would like this. I can see Calvin liking Ooh, this. Oh yes, um, tattered cloak. Yes, because that be the kind of minus the here. sanity will boost the, the, the losing a sanity will boost two of his stats anyway, won't it? And then it will boost yeah. them even further. And I mean, even if you don't use it for that, it's a, it's got you know three. It's got a willpower, strength, and agility pips on the side, so yeah, it's not yeah. not a bad card to, to to have. And if nothing else, like you say, it'll soak up a. I mean, if you're a Roland or someone with five mental, you probably wouldn't want to be taking it. You'd probably want, you know, be more investigated with a bit higher mental strength. You know, generally you'd want to take it. You don't want to be walking around with minus one uh, in that way. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So do you want to take resolution four? So I think that's what happens if the agenda run, the, the, if you basically doom out or if you resign or were defeated. So this is like the catch-all. You never did anything. This is what happens. <laughs> that's right. I think this. I think we got this one, didn't we? I this think was we the did, one yeah. We, ended up yeah with. we had to resign. <laughs> yes. We had to manage to just right. escape out of the front door using a convoluted... Mr. Peabody's passageway yeah. to get past uh, to get past Sebastian and the possessed oath speaker and about three other cultists and make it out the door on the final turn, didn't we? No, and that we didn't, we couldn't get any more clues, and we couldn't, we couldn't sort of get enough clues to 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 finish off. So we had no choice, really, did we? It was uh, pretty awful. And I should add that our um, our thoughts about these scenarios has got nothing to do with how well we do in them when we uh, test them out oh, no, or no. otherwise. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, so resolution four, the night's events have left you exhausted. You are unable to learn anything about the Historical Society's banner that could drive your investigation forward. Whoever these intruders were, they must have been looking for the same information you were. Distraught, you find your way to the closest bed you can find in Mars Boarding House, not too far from the Historical Society. Dawn breaks. In fact, in Midnight Masks, you ca- the, the Mars Boarding House and Historical Society are the two random locations in the south. You can't have them both together. It's either one or the other. 
Yeah, dawn breaks as you reach the boarding house. The front doorknob and ferns on the porch are covered in dew. You are lucky enough to get a vacant room for the day and soon you are fast asleep. Suddenly you're falling above and all around you. A blinding radiance flares like an inferno. Your head twinges with pain and your vision swims with brilliant colours. Your skin is singed by the flames. Below you, the abyss opens and swallows you whole. You then find yourself in a dank windowless cell filled with a putrid stench. A man is huddled in a corner of the room, shivering from the cold or from the hopelessness of his situation, or perhaps both. No mask, he mutters over and over. No mask, no mask. You take a few tentative steps toward forward, but before you can reach him, the metal slot on his cell door slides open and you hear an orderly call to him. Daniel, it's time, he says. Daniel, wake up. Wake up, Daniel. Then you awaken. There we go. Um, record that the followers of the sign have found their way, the way forward. So that's uh, an important point. And in this case, um, you get a bonus experience. So even though it's a sort of a failure, you get extra experience, a bonus one for your insights. Mm -hmm. And you remove all of the cultist tablet and elder thing tokens and add one uh, cultist, one tablet and one elder thing. So you've got one of each. So that's probably worse in a sense because you're covering all of them rather than some of them. Yeah, and you're getting three rather than two, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. The other thing is that no mask, no mask is actually a line from the King in Yellow. So in Robert W. Chambers, there's a, he actually there's an excerpt and part of it is with the stranger, they say, show us your mask. And he says, I'm not wearing any mask. And then they go, no mask. No mask. <laughs> so that's sort of from that. So there you go. Yes. So, so there all we go. Four of those resolutions have all told us about Daniel Chesterfield. So I wonder what we're going to be doing next. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's uh, the, the, that's something that didn't happen in every resolution last time. But in this one, they've made it really clear that he's, you know, we're going to be obviously, um, you know, going in search of him, probably somewhere in the Arkham Asylum, which is where we'll be sort of heading next time. So that's, again, that's a nice, clear next step for us to go through uh, in that sense. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. So what did you think, Kevlin? What did you think of this scenario? Um, it's, I, I liked it. It's okay. Um hmm. But like like we said, I think the business about the passageways is a little bit convoluted. Um, yeah. After playing, obviously, if you're playing this blind and you're in your first comic, it's a completely new idea of not having Doom coming into play during the Mythos phase, and it's it's a whole different way of playing the game that you need to get your head around. But you can you can play that to your advantage depending on the type of investigator that you're playing. But uh, yeah, it's. It, it was okay. I'm not. It's not. Yeah. One of my favourites, but it's certainly not one of the worst. <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely, I, I agree with you. It's okay. I think. Um, I think it's probably one of the weakest scenarios in this campaign, which is an excellent campaign. So, but I feel like mechanically, it was really a bit too convoluted, and that then got in the way of enjoying the story, which is a race for information as quickly as possible. And yeah. so I think the problem is it was too mechanically convoluted and complicated. And you spent, I, I know we did, and I've played it before, we spent way too much time messing around, moving, 
dooms and clues around and Peabody and you know where are we now and are we in a passageway or are we not and it was like yes. oh you know that kind of got in the way of, of that a little bit I think yeah yeah because we sort of found ourselves in a dead end didn't we where there were enemies at every passageway location and we were stuck in the hidden chamber and it's like the only way out <laughs> is to get through some enemies and uh, yeah it was yeah yeah exactly it was a little bit of a yeah a little bit of a mess that one <laughs> but I think that yeah, was more yeah, or less yeah. than the scenario. The other thing about it is it's very swingy. It can either it seems like it happens really quickly, really easy. You're like, what? what's the problem? This scenario, nothing happens. I got through it really fast. Or it's a complete disaster. I've never sort of had played it where it's been balanced. Mm. It's felt like it's been balanced. It's either been the cultists have sort of run away with things or the investigators have run away with things and gotten out before anything much ever happened. And it feels like it kind of operates that way. I guess next time we'll be off to play the uns- uh, and talk about the Unspeakable Oath, which is a an amazing scenario. <laughs> and incredibly deadly as well. <laughs> and uh, it'd be very interesting to chat about that one. Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. It's, it's I think it's one of the... One of the high points of the uh, the campaign, isn't it? So I think that's all. So thank you very much for um, for listening. Um, send us any, your thoughts. We're always very interested to hear what your thoughts were of Echoes of the Past. And um, no doubt um, chat next time on the next scenario. But until then, I'm Krabby Terra 8. And I'm Kevlin. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. Please like, comment and subscribe. We'd very much like to hear from you. If you would like to um, send us your thoughts, um, send it to ftextpodcast at gmail.com. That's F-T-E-X-T podcast, ftextpodcast at gmail.com. You can also listen to this podcast on YouTube. Just go to Out of Ammo, Out of Time, and you will find it there. And it's also available on the usual podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcast, that kind of thing. So if you want to subscribe, go there. But until then, I'm Krabby Terror 8, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye.